Today is Mother's Day. We honor our mothers. And I wanted to see, moms, if you could identify with any of the following statements that might, uh, might ring a bell with you. Number one, the later you stay up, the earlier your child will wake up the next morning. Okay? Number two, the longer it takes for you to make a meal, the less your child will appreciate it. How about this one? For a child to become clean, something else has to get dirty. That's a good one. Number four, yours is the only child who doesn't behave. Okay? Number five, I love this one. You spend your entire vacation wondering whether you turned off the iron or not. Apropos. How about this one? You insist on your child wearing a sweater when you're cold. Okay? I like this one. This probably applies to all of us. Backing the car out of the driveway causes your child to have to go to the bathroom. And this one may not apply. This last one may not apply to all mothers, but I can speak to it in very intimate terms. When your daughter says smugly that she's never going to grow up to be anything like you. Come on, folks, laugh. These are the best things I've got today. Happy Mother's Day. To each and every one of you, I hope you find a little bit in there to identify with this day. I'd like to uh, read from the Gospel of John this day. And as we do, as we read from the 10th chapter and we start with the 25th verse, let us stand in his house this day as you hear the Gospel. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I'd like to start today's message with a simple question for each of you to consider. What is God like? What is God like? There probably isn't anyone here who hasn't struggled with that question at some level. Theologians like to fit it under the nature of God controversy that we struggle with because we all seek to know and to understand this God, this God whom we worship, who we pray to, who we lift up in song. And we all know, at least in an academic sense, that our minds are simply incapable of understanding. Our brains are too small. Our perspectives are too finite. One of the books I have enjoyed reading in the past is William P. Young's The Shack. Not because of its theological depth, not at all, but because of its creative and profoundly different characteristics of God, of Jesus, and of the Holy Spirit. Some in their reviews have called the book unorthodox, 
Some of us have called it heresy. Some of it have called it doctrinally harmful. And I won't agree or disagree with that, but I have enjoyed reading the book more than once. It is certainly not an easy book to read. I will tell you that right up front. Any parent will find almost too much to bear when you deal with the content at the beginning of this book. And yet I am fascinated by the unique descriptions and actions of the Trinity as William P. Young defines them. Once again, not to support any theological foundation. But more importantly, to move us outside of the boxes that we have a tendency to put God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit into. We struggle with the simple basic concept of the Trinity anyway, three in one. And when we talk about the characteristics of God or Christ or the Holy Spirit, we try to put them in a box so that we will understand them. We always try to make them us, like us, so that somehow we can get our arms or our brains around that. And William P. Young goes outside of that box. Matter of fact, in the shack, God is characterized as an African-American woman who calls herself Papa and cooks pancakes for breakfast. That's outside the box. Now, I realize that the image of God as female is probably disconcerting to many of us. Most of us have been raised with a patriarchal view of God. I most certainly have. We regularly use the male pronoun in the place of God, I most certainly do. And in part, it's because that's what we've heard and known all of our lives. We know God is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing. And those images are tended to be reinforced by the maleness of the image in our own minds. And yet, God certainly goes beyond our human gender characteristics our human gender classifications. He can be both male and female if he has created both. He can be both a strong provider as well as a loving protector. I'd like to tell you this morning that I believe in the softer side of God. And you see it if you look hard enough. You can look in Deuteronomy, you can look in Psalms, you can look in Isaiah, and you can look at Hebrew feminine pronouns describing metaphorically God. Sean just gave you one out of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 13, when Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem, and he says these words, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. Those are certainly attributes that we would attribute to mothers And certainly an attribute that Jesus attributes to himself and thereby to God. Our text this morning out of the Gospel of John suggests that God is a loving mom or could be a loving mom. Jesus uses the analogy of the good shepherd, but he could speaking just as well as a good mother. When he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. On this day, we honor our moms, and I'd like to look for some of the analogies between God and between moms, especially as it deals with love. And the first thing I would tell you is that God's love, as well as our mother's love, is a very personal, intimate thing. The love of God is extremely personal. He says, my sheep recognize my name, and I know them. Now, I know that when my mother called my name, I know exactly 
who was calling me. And when she used my full name, Scott Chandler Stiff, there were only two options. You either run and hide or you run and get down on your knees and ask for an intercession from God because things are going to get bad. Things are going to get ugly. You don't use the middle name of the child unless there's a problem. Scott Chandler Stiff. My mom, like most moms, was always there to answer, answer questions, to guide me down the proper paths, to help me over the obstacles. She even helped me learn algebra. My mom didn't, she graduated from high school, that's it. And I'd first go to my dad, and I'd say, Dad, could you help me with this problem, like on page 86? And dad would say, well, let's see. Let's go back to the beginning of the book and see how we got here. Dad, I don't want to go through those 86 pages. I just want the answer. Mom would help me with algebra, lovingly help me with algebra. Mom would dry my tears when things went wrong, and we would celebrate joyously when things went right, whether it be birthdays or Christmases or any other time. It has been said that when you educate a man, you educate an individual. When you educate a woman, you educate a family. Everybody, everybody there. And I can certainly attest to the personal love and commitment that my, my mother had for my life and for my sister's life. And when she called, you better be ready to answer. You better be ready to answer. Even when she called out of love, you better be ready to answer. And additionally, something that as a man, as a father, I can't truly appreciate, it's the bond that a mother has with a child. It's a bond that is so deeply personal and intimate that it can simply never be erased. There is absolutely no way that you can carry a human life inside you for nine months and not have a very personal, intimate bond with that child. To this day, I can remember the last time that I hugged my mother and the last time I said I love you before she passed away. It's as though it just happened yesterday. And I can remember it as vividly as I can possibly tell you. And I attribute that to a very intimate, personal bond with my mom. In this day, we, we live in a rather lonely world, I think. A lot of times we wonder if anybody really cares about us. We wonder when somebody says, I love you, including me, whether you really mean it. And I do. But we live in a rather lonely world. But there is one place that you can go, one place you should always be able to go, where you're not just a name tag or a number, and that's home, and that's to your mom if you're so fortunate to have your mother with you. We are a valued member of the family, and mothers know just how valuable we are because of their intimate connection with their children. And so it is with God. We are more than a number. We are more than a face to God. God loves us with a very intimate, personal love. He knows exactly who we are, exactly who each one of us is. What does the scripture say? Even the very hair on our head is counted. Even the very hair on the head, even though the count's going down daily. He knows. He knows who I am. The love of a mother and the love of God are extremely personal and intimate for each of us. The love of God and the love of a mother are, is extremely giving love. 
Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's a giving type of love. The very nature of God is to give. He gave us life in the first place. He sustains us in this life with his beautiful creation and all the resources that it has. And when our days are finished, he will grant us that eternal life that we long for. God is a giving God. And it includes giving his son to us. A son that would die on a cross that each of us might be redeemed. Loving us so much that he would give the very best that he had, his personal son. I would imagine the main same thing could be said for most mothers. If not all mothers because of the correct connection. They would do absolutely anything for their sons and for their daughters. Our mothers always want to find a way to make things right. And the last thing that any mother wants is to see his or her her child suffering or in pain. And in many cases, they will do whatever it takes. This story is one that I'm sure some of you have heard before. But it bears repeating this day on Mother's Day. Because it shows this sacrificial, giving love. The story is told of a pastor who received a telephone call one day from a man in his congregation who had just become a new dad. And he called the pastor and asked if the pastor would come with him to the hospital as he told his wife, the new mother, that they had given birth to a beautiful baby boy, healthy in every way except the baby had no ears had the auditory openings, had the inner ear mechanism, bones, but had no fleshy part on the outside. The doctor had assured the parents that when this child grew up, perhaps they could find a donor and they could actually put ears on. Well, needless to say, this was a tough growing up experience for this little guy. You can imagine him going to school and being called no ear or freaky because he was different from everybody else. All the whispers and all the taunts from the children. And he grew up coping with it and being supported certainly by his father's love and most certainly by his mother's love. He became an excellent student in school. He graduated at the top of his class and entered college to study geology. One day he got a job in a distant place became very successful. His father called him not long after he had that job and said, you need to come home, son. The doctor has found a donor. And sure enough, the boy came home. They had found a donor, and they put real ears on this young man. And he felt new. He felt born again. He felt alive. The things that he could do because he was like everybody else. He wasn't going to be called no ear or freaky anymore. And he went off to be a very successful geologist for the oil companies. About 20 some odd years later, he received another phone call from his father. His mother had suffered a very serious heart attack. And he needed to get home. But unfortunately, before he could come home, his mother passed away. And so they grieved And at the funeral home, the father called the son aside and walked him into the funeral parlor. 
as they stood by the casket. And then without saying a word, the father reached in and pulled back the hair of his deceased wife because she had no ears. She had given her ears to her son. And that, my friends, is sacrificial giving. God's love knows no boundaries, and oftentimes neither does a mother's love, especially when it comes to her children. And so we have God's love and a mother's love that's personal and intimate. We have God's love and a mother's love that is extremely sacrificial in nature and its giving. And finally, we have God's love and a mother's love that continues to persevere. It does not quit. It does not stop. Jesus said, no one will snatch them from me. Paul said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's good news because God never quits on us. And neither do our moms. Neither do our moms. Their love never stops. For as often as I was in trouble, for as many things as I did wrong, none of which I'm going to share with you today, my mother loved me very, very much. And I knew that day in and day out. Even when I disappointed her mightily, even when I did things I knew were wrong, even when I brought her to tears that never stopped her from loving me, I remember, I remember when she was teaching me how to drive, and she got in there, and of course, you know, you really have to persevere with your children when they're teaching them how to drive, but I drove, and we come to a turn, and I turned the wheel left, we go around the corner, and I don't know, I just thought, well, maybe it's the easiest way to do it, I just let go of the wheel so it would spring back to center. I thought my mother was going to pass away right then, she didn't, and I don't think she said any bad words, although I know my father did later on. she continued to love me even when I was dumb and dorky and did foolish things and did things that disappointed her. There's a story about two tribes in the Andes Mountains, the, the Low Country Tribe and the Mountainous Tribe. They were at war with each other, and one day the Mountainous Tribe came down into the Low Country, decimated the village, and in fact took a child. They stole it, take it back up the mountain to live with them. Of course, this created such angst there in the child, especially with the child's mother. But this lowland village didn't know how to get up the mountain. They didn't know where the mountain paths were. They didn't know the passes because they had never been up the mountain. They'd always lived in the low country. So they got a group of men together, seven or eight of their finest warriors. They gave them tools. They gave them ropes. And their job was to find a way up to the mountain to find the mountain village and to rescue this baby and to bring the baby back. So they got there to the mountain and started to get up. Six days they worked on trying to get up that mountain. About the furthest they went was about 150 feet because they had no idea how to get up there. They weren't sure which way to turn. And after six days they said, well, we're going to give up. There's nothing we can do. The baby is lost. And as they were packing up all their stuff, they turned around and down one of the mountain paths they saw a woman, a woman coming with a little baby. It was the baby that had been kidnapped. One of the men went up to her and says, how did you find a way up the mountain? We've been working for six days. We can't figure it out. 
How did you get up there and get back? And the woman just simply said, it's not your baby. It was her baby. And she would do absolutely everything to get that child. Her love would never quit. It would persevere. It would persevere. That's what the cross is all about, folks. We take God's love and we nail him to a tree. His son, we nail him to a tree, and yet God still loves us. It perseveres. That's the meaning of grace. Even though we nail him to a cross, he still loves us. And the bond between ourselves and Christ is never broken. I wonder, on our worst days, on our worst possible days, when we think the world is against us and no one loves us, do we remember? Do we dare to ask, am I worthy of being loved? Because if we ask those words, we should remember God's persevering love. And hopefully our mother's persevering love that nothing ever will stop them from loving us, from loving us. Love perseveres despite everything that happens around us. Love is what life is all about. I think you're going to find me preach about love more than any other subject from this pulpit because I believe that is the essence, that is the focal point of who we need to be and what we need to be about as we tend to be more Christ-like every day. God created this world so he would have a creation of persons who would love him, who would be in relationship with him. And then he sent his only begotten son that he would die on a cross and he would redeem us and restore us in relationship. A mother's love is just like that. It never quits. August 16th, 1987. Northwest Airlines Flight 225, taking off from Detroit, crashes, killing 155 people on board. A bolt holding the engine to the wing had not been checked, and the engine sheared off, killing everybody. Everybody, that is, except one, a four-year-old girl named Cecilia. At first, the investigators of the crash thought that she might have been on the ground, perhaps on a car, in a car where the plane crashed. But when they looked through the passenger manifest of the aircraft of Flight 225, they found that she was listed as a passenger. Cecilia survived because even as the plane was falling from the sky, her mother undid her seatbelt kneeled in front of her child's seat, put her arms around her, and never, ever let go, even unto death. That is love that never quits. That is love that perseveres. Nothing can separate the child from a mother's love. Nothing is going to snatch her from her mother's hand. Neither tragedy nor disaster, neither fall nor flames, neither depth, neither life, neither death, or life nor death. And so on this special day, as we honor our mothers, I want you to understand just how special it is, the love that they share with us. 
the softer side of God, which I truly believe is about nurturing us and loving us, loving us in a very intimate way, just like our mothers did, loving us sacrificially because our mothers would do anything, and God, in fact, sent his only begotten son, and then loving us no matter what, never quitting on us, even when they have every right in the world to quit on us, loving us so much that they never, never stop. That personal, sacrificial, persevering love, there's nothing quite like it. She said her hands were ugly. She tried to hide them too. But in God's sight was different, for he knew what they could do. They were busy hands for Jesus, doing tasks for him each day. They washed and ironed and sewed and scrubbed in the most willing, cheerful way. They kept a clean and shining home. They cared for a family. They did the humble, homely jobs in a manner sweet to see. They were ready to help others whenever there was a need And those ready, willing hands of hers were a source of love indeed. She said her hands were ugly. Not so in his dear sight. For they labored for the master. Morning, noon, and night. Would you bow your heads with me, please?